You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Seven. The three men Anderson had sent to the other room now returned, rolling a gurney between them. On it was what looked like a body covered by a sheet. Jim was reminded of a trip to the morgue. When the gurney came to a stop next to him, he noticed several patches on the sheet and bit his lip. It wasn't a normal sheet. It was the Shroud of Turin. Apparently nothing else was good enough for the resurrection. This is my new body, Anderson said. He pointed to the shape under the sheet. My acolytes here at the farm include several brilliant engineers, geneticists, and experts in artificial limbs. What we have here is essentially an artificial body that I will make immortal with the items my thief brought me. And take mine away, Jim said. How exactly does that work? Don't you know your Bible, Jim? The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Book of Job. Such an inspiring piece. The same power that grants me the power of immortality will take yours away. The years will catch up to you quickly, I imagine. Free at last, God Almighty, free at last, and all that. Don't you quote Martin Luther King to me. I don't think your message is the same as his. Anderson grinned. In a way it is. I'll do what he only dreamt of. Put a black man in charge. One of the acolytes removed the sheet and Jim looked at the body underneath. It looked vaguely like the Anderson Kramer he had known. The facial features were close, but the new body was muscular, lean, and had close-cropped hair instead of the big afro his spirit normally sported. And now if you'll excuse me, Anderson said, I've got to get out of Adam here and into my new body. One moment. He closed his eyes, and suddenly Adam's body crumbled to the floor. It was as if Adam had been a marionette and all the strings had been cut at once. A couple of the other acolytes came closer, helping him to his feet. He looked confused, staring around the room at the destruction caused by the fight. What happened? he asked, his voice faint. You don't want to know, kid. Jim lit a cigarette. It was the last in the pack, and he flipped the empty pack away. The acolytes pulled Adam to a chair and brought him water. Jim turned his head and saw the body on the gurney begin to twitch and stir. It was like watching an old horror film and seeing Frankenstein's monster come to life. A hand slowly clenching, an eyelid fluttering, and finally, the body sat straight up in what would have been an impossible movement if the body had been made entirely of flesh and blood. Anderson Kramer looked at his hands, flexed them, made fists and relaxed them. He moved his feet, wiggled his toes. It's been so long since I had a body of my own. His voice was the same as the one that had come from Adam's mouth, but stronger, more natural. 
borrowing other people's bodies as a poor substitute. You look good, Jim said. A tad more muscular than I remember you. If you're doing something, why not go all the way, right? Anderson grinned, his white teeth gleaming in his dark face. No spirit has had what I have now. An empty living body without the mind to fight you. A clean slate. I guess no spirit had your foresight, huh? Jim said. Anderson laughed again. I suppose not. But now, let's do this, Jim. Talk is cheap. It's time for action. Two of the acolytes began opening the boxes and containers stacked in the corner. Some of them had been knocked over by the fight, but none had gotten hurt. Jim saw the chalice, the petrified bread, and several other things he didn't recognize. The acolytes began combining several of the items in the chalice, mixing in a little red liquid. I hope that's wine, Jim said, but Anderson shook his head. Blood. Blood is life, as the vampires would say. It's given voluntarily, though. Despite what you think, Jim, I'm still the man you've known, and I don't enjoy hurting people if I don't have to. Cry me a river, Anderson. You would hurt anyone who got in your way. You were ready to kill my friends back there. Hell, you're gonna kill me. But that's an act of mercy. I know what you've gone through all these years, Jim. All the nights you sat alone waiting for morning. All the time spent alone, watching the spirits and wishing you could have died with Ginger. I'll give you what you wanted for so long. Jim dragged on the cigarette, and Anderson swung his legs out over the gurney and onto the floor. He was tall, and his naked body was perfect in every way. Even with the slow way he moved, it was clear he would be very, very strong in this body. Anderson took the petrified Eucharist up in his hand and held it in front of his face. He turned to Jim. Take this and eat it, so that you may have life eternal, he whispered. I'm not sure that's actually correct. I grew up Catholic. Who cares? It's the effect that matters. Anderson bit down on the stony surface, his teeth making a cracking sound as it broke the hard surface. He swallowed and sighed, then looked at the chalice. It was now filled with the blood mixed with the other items the acolytes had poured into it. Jim could see bits of apple and other items that he couldn't identify. So what exactly are we supposed to do? Jim asked. Just chew down on one side each and take a sip? Anderson shook his head. No, I will drink the first sip. Once I have my immortality, you can have your sip. Wait, I want to ask you something first, Anderson. Jim looked at his sword on the floor, lying several feet away. Too far to reach for, too far to jump. Ask away. I suppose it's your last chance. When you do this... I mean, when you possessed the kid before, you were still a spirit. But when you're immortal, I mean, you can't be a spirit, right? You're alive, and only in your new body? Anderson frowned. I'm alive now. This body is alive. I've left my spirit form behind, and transcended. Great, that's what I wanted to hear. Jim threw down his cigarette to the floor. Feline, now! 
Anderson had time to let his eyes widen a moment in surprise. Before there was a popping sound, and Rhea appeared in one corner of the room. Jim held out his hand in the direction of his sword. Rhea gestured, making the weapon fly through the air and into Jim's hand. He was already in motion, swinging the blade in a deadly arc. Anderson Kramer didn't have time to scream before his new body's head was severed from his neck and bounced against the floor. A meaty thud sound came when it hit the floor, but at the same time Jim could see wires and electric cables sticking out from the severed neck. The body had indeed been part mechanical. Scratch one body, Jim said, lifting his foot and giving the headless torso a swift kick that sent it sprawling on the floor. It twitched and writhed, sparks coming from the neck. He spun the blade in his hand and stabbed it down through the center of Anderson's body. A sound that wasn't even a sound filled the room, making all the acolytes, Rhea and Jim, cover their ears. It sounded like a scream of pain, but it was much higher pitched, seeming to come from the air itself around them. It only lasted a second or two before the twitching body lay still. The head's glassy eye stared blindly at the floor. The acolytes slowly stood up, looking at their dead master. Jim pulled the sword free, raised it to head height, and looked at them. His eyes were cold. Anyone else? It took less than thirty seconds for the entire group of acolytes to run from the room, leaving Rhea and Jim alone with the dead Anderson. Did that work? Rhea asked, walking to Jim's side. I hope so. He said he had left his spirit form behind. Now he's dead, and hopefully he can move on. If not, well, he's a spirit again, and he'll have to come after us in other ways. No matter what, I am pretty sure we just hurt him a lot. That scream didn't sound like he was happy. Jim! Rhea pointed to the chalice, now lying on the floor. The red liquid drained from it. You... he dropped it. What about... About me becoming mortal? Jim smiled. I guess that's not in the cards anymore. I didn't know if you meant it. I didn't even know you were immortal. I mean, you didn't say. It's not something I feel the need to share with everybody. But if you want to hear the story, I'll tell you about it sometime. Jim picked up the chalice and the Eucharist. The other items seemed to be empty now. We should get out of here and get this stuff back to Inspector Charles. Interpol can come and sort out the rest. Rhea put her hand in his. Let me give you a ride. Try not to throw up this time. They vanished.